Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. Glad that you're here. Good to be with you. I want to kick things off with what I think is an unusual question. What do you say to yourself when you talk to yourself? Now, some of you are like, Mark, I don't talk to myself. Listen, everybody talks to themselves, okay? What do you say to yourself? And when I say that, I don't mean like, hey, don't forget the kids this time, or hey, it's Valentine's Day, I got to get her something. You know, it's more than that. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about that that ongoing self-talk, that stuff that you say to yourself over and over again. What do you say to yourself when you talk to yourself? Most of us, we don't even realize this, but most of us get caught in what what is called the negative loop that the things that we think about aren't very helpful to us. In fact, they're the opposite. They're very harmful to us. Uh, Let me give you an example. And this might be me, okay? Just might be by chance. So you're on the highway driving and traffic is really bad. And you're not thinking, what a blessing from God all these cars are. What you're thinking is, who taught these geniuses how to drive? You get up in the morning, and you think, oh, I got so much to do. And then you get to the end of the day and you, and you always think, oh, I just really didn't get that much done today. You make a mistake or you mess up in some kind, in some way, and you go, you know what, I, I'll never amount to anything. Or there's certain people that you see and your first thought is, oh, I could never trust those people or people like that. And then the loop just keeps going and going and going. Now, what many of us don't realize is that what we say to ourselves actually matters. Psychologists talk about something that is called the law of cognition. And we touched briefly on this in week one of the series, but the law of cognition teaches this, that what we think impacts what we believe, which then impacts what we feel or how we feel, which then impacts how we live. And so what we do with our lives starts with what goes on up here. I love how uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle sums all this up. I love this quote. We've used it here before just because of just how potent it is. He says this. He says, your life and my life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. The problem is for many of us, we are talking ourselves into a life that we don't want. And it's the opposite life that Jesus has invited us into. Now today, we are, we are in week three of our Rewire series, and over the last few weeks, we have been talking about all things mental health. And uh, I tell you, it's, just been a, it's been a great few weeks uh, just, just talking about this stuff and just to hear the conversations and the steps that people are taking. And then for people to say, I, I've had uh, people say this to me like, hey, thanks for talking about this. And, uh, and first of all, I, I really appreciate the compliment, but then here's what I always think. I always think the local church should be the safest place and the best place to talk about any topic. And we hope that, that you find this place to be that kind of place. Now, today what I wanna do is I wanna talk about how do we silence our negative thoughts? And for me, this has been something I've, I've struggled with over the years and uh, someone who has really helped me in this, I just quoted him, Craig Rochelle, has, I think he's got the best handle 
on, on this topic better than anyone that I've read or learned from. And so I've just learned a ton from him over the years. And so I'm going to share with you some of the stuff I've learned from him and been putting into practice. And my prayer is, is this would be helpful for you. Show of hands. How many of you would say the world is getting more positive? I mean, you're like, man, it's just getting better. This is more positive. How many of you would say that? Okay, the one of you who raised their hand, listen, I want to live in your world because I would love to experience that. Because I think we all know this, that the world is actually getting more and more negative. I mean, negativity is everywhere, it's an epidemic, and it's having a negative impact on our mental health. And as we're going to see as we kind of walk through this today, that this is actually a big part of it, is a spiritual issue. So here's what I want to do. I want to begin by giving some foundational thoughts about our thoughts, and this is going to drive the rest of the message. And here's the thing, we need to get our mind around this, no pun intended to that, okay? We need to get our mind around this because as we just heard from Craig, is your life and my life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. But here's the really good news, here's what we're going to talk about today. The good news is you and I can have power over our thoughts. That with God's help, we can choose what we think about, which then leads to how we live our lives. So here's what the Apostle Paul says about this very thing. He, he, he writes this. He says, those who live according to the flesh. Now, in some translations, the flesh is translated sin, sin nature or sinful nature. This is this internal bent that we have that just, we're going to do whatever we want to do. I just want to do whatever I want to do. I want to do whatever I want to do. Uh, the sin nature idea is that we have all been born to, with the tendency to do what God does not want us to do or to do God's best for our life. And then he says, so those who live according to the flesh or sin nature have their minds set on, on what the flesh desires. And so he says, those who focus on the flesh, kind of the appetites and desires of the flesh, they will live accordingly. And Paul's going to tell us in a minute what accordingly looks like. And then he's going to contrast things. And he says, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit who lives in us and he empowers us and he leads and directs us and he, he, he renews our life so our life begins to look like Jesus' life. And he says, but those who live according to the Holy Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And so those who focus on the Spirit and what he wants and, and what he wills, they will live accordingly. And Paul's now going to tell us what accordingly looks like. He says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. In, in other words, that path, you keep on that path long enough, it doesn't mean you're going to die. He's not talking about that. It means it's going to lead to darkness, destruction, or it just never ends well. And then he says, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life in peace. In other words, it is a completely different life. And so what Paul does is Paul gives us a contrast. And it's a very sharp one. And he says, hey, if you find yourself, if you find yourself making bad decisions, you're constantly feeling broken and empty. You're discouraged. You're always looking for unhealthy outlets. Paul says that's the mind that is set on the flesh and it's going to lead us to do the opposite of what God wants us to do. He says the litmus test, however, for the mind that's set on the spirit is that no matter what is going on with our life, we can experience life and peace. Now, I would bet that every single one of us knows that negativity is, is not good for us and it's not good for those around us. But here's the huge problem that we all have. We all have a tendency towards neg negativity, and here's what it's called. 
we all have what's called a negativity bias, that we gravitate towards, our default is towards the negative. Neuroscience actually shows us that when, when there's an, a, a tragic situation, a bad situation, uh, a, 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 an unfortunate situation, whether it be in our lives or we see it in someone else's, here's what our brain does. Our brain processes it, but the negative situations in, in, in our lives, our brain sticks to those longer than it does positive ones. And I, I can prove it to you. What news spreads faster on social media? Negative news or positive news? And everyone's like, I'm not going to say it because I know. Negative news, right? Negative news. When, uh, what gets the most clicks on any news app? Negative news or positive news? Negative news. You know, this is why when you watch the news, you're like, man, I just wish that they would have all positive stories. Do you know why they don't have all positive stories? No one would watch. They'd watch it once and go like, okay, and we gravitate towards that. I can get done with a message and I can get 10, uh, 10 positive comments and one negative comment. What do I do with that? I do the same thing you do when you do something. We forget the positive and we focus on the negative. You see, we don't realize this. Negativity is chronic. And that's not necessarily a bad thing until we get caught up in that negativity loop that I just talked about. For many of us, the things that we watch and read and look at are mostly negative. The, many of the people that are in our lives, when you think about this, they're predominantly negative. And the things that we say to ourselves are predominantly negative. So as a result, here's what we do. We focus on the negative. And when we focus on the negative, here's what happens. We start to create negative neural pathways in our mind. What does that mean? It means this, negativity becomes a habit. And so when things happen, we're like, oh, I can never trust people like that. Or my life will, will always stink. Or hey, those people, or this, or that, or we play the victim card. And what we've done is we've created this inner script that is fueling our thoughts. And you, as you said at the beginning, when our thoughts, wherever our thoughts go, that's where our life goes or doesn't go. And so our guy Paul says, you just need to know that the life that's focused on the flesh, it always leads to a bad place eventually. But the life that is focused on the spirit, we can experience life and peace. Psychologists talk about four areas of negativity that every single one of us is prone to. And so here's what I wanna do, I'm gonna just do a little exercise. I'm gonna go quickly through these four areas of negativity, and here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to, to identify the one that you gravitate towards the most. And we, like I said, we all gravitate towards one of these. And here, I want you to do it for two reasons. Uh, the first reason is, is at the end of the message, we're gonna come back around to this, okay? So I, I need you to kind of latch on to one of these things. And then the second reason, and we always say this here, we can't defeat what we don't define. And so this is our time to define that. Four areas of, of negativity. Which one do you gravitate towards? Here's the first one. Relational cynicism. Relational cynicism is just a general distrust for people. It's like, well, everybody's out for themselves or all those people are. And even when someone does something good, you still don't trust them. Here's the second one that we gravitate towards. Negative filtering. Negative filtering is this. It's everywhere you go, pretty much, you see the wrong or you see the worst case scenario. It's like you text someone, you know, and they don't get back to you right away. And you're like, oh, they must be mad at me. 
You go to a restaurant and you're, you're, you always find the wrong in the restaurant. You go to a church and you always find the wrong in the church. Or, you know, you drive on the highway and you always find, you know, the wrong in drivers. Or maybe that's just me, okay? I always find the wrong in the drivers. But the reality is, the reason that happens is because your filter is negative. And so you will always see what's wrong at the expense of what's right. Third one. This one's called absolute thinking or it's all or nothing thinking, or black and white type of thinking. It's like, uh, if a woman hurts you, well, all women are bad. All Democrats are, all Republicans are. You know, if, uh, if you make a mistake, oh, I'm all, I'll always be a failure. If someone doesn't agree with you on a certain issue, you have, you have the tendency to just write them off altogether or something that's really popular in our culture right now, cancel them. Now, unfortunately, and I use the word unfortunately lightly, but it's, I mean it a lot heavier than that. Unfortunately, this is huge in our culture right now. And unfortunately, once again, I see this seeping into the church world more and more. In fact, for some of you, you are caught in this type of thinking and you are completely blind to it. You know, you're a jerk to people who, because you think you're right, or maybe you are right, okay? But you justify your jerkiness because you, and you say it this way, I'm just speaking the truth. The fourth one, blaming. Blaming. This is the person who always sees themselves as the victim. And it's like, well, the reason I am where I am is because of, and you always blame someone else. And you look at your life and you go, well, what, you know, I only go so far because the, 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 the deck is stacked against me. Four areas of negativity. Let me ask you, which one rears its ugly head in your life the most? Now, here's the million-dollar question I want to talk about for the rest of my time. Is it possible for us to go from a negative mindset, which one's it? We're all biased to. I don't care how many people go like, well, I'm going to think positive. Okay, eventually you go negative. Is it possible for us to move to a negative mindset? to the one that Paul talked about where he said, hey, I want my, want my mind focused on the spirit because I want to experience life and peace no matter what is going on around me. The answer, yeah. But it is not easy to do. It's going to take some work on our part. Uh, years ago, there was this large study done where they created this imaginary surgical process. And they took two groups of people and they gathered these two groups of people and they presented the same surgical process to this group with different odds of success or failure. And they wanted to see from the two groups if they thought it was a good or bad surgical procedure. And so for the one group, uh, the first group, they said, okay, the, the odds of success is 70%. And then the second group, they said, well, the odds of failure is 30%. And so, same odds presented, but just in a different way. And so they went to this first group that said, okay, there's a 70% chance of success. And then they asked the question, is this a good or bad surgical procedure? And a majority, as you can imagine, they said, no, I think that, that's, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then they went to the second group where they said there's a 30% chance of failure to this thing. And they said, hey, do you think that this is a good or bad surgical procedure? When they presented the negative, it's not surprising to all of us. A majority said, well, we don't think that's a good idea. Okay. Well, then they wanted to determine something else. They took it a next step and they said, can we change our mind if we, just, if we just change the narrative of this whole thing? And so here's what they did. 
They went to the first group where it was a 70% chance of success. And they said, okay, you know, we told you 77%, but we want to show you the rest of the story here. You got to know this. There's also a 30% chance of failure rate to this. What do you think now? Do you think it's a good idea and a good surgical procedure? A majority of those who said at first it was a good idea, and they're like, well, now that you presented it that way, I, I, don't, I don't think this is a good idea anymore. Well, then they went to the second group where it was a 30% chance failure rate. And they said, hey, we just wanna let you know the other side to this story, that there is a 70% success rate to this whole thing. Do you change your stance? What do you think they did? A majority of those who said it was a bad idea before changing it, kept their opinion and said, no, it is still a bad idea, proving that we can change the perspective but to go from negative or positive, it's not natural and it's not accidental. And so we can go from the negative to the positive, but we're gonna need God's help and we're gonna have to be very intentional on our part on how to do it. So how do we do it? Well, the answer actually comes from, or we're gonna, at least how we're gonna get our answer, the answer comes from a passage involving King David. And this actually passage that involves King David, this is before he's a king. He's just David at the time. Uh, Saul is actually the king. And Saul, who's become very jealous of David, he's been chasing David for years. And so David's been on the run. And when David's been on the run, 400 men join David. And they're like, David, we think you're the leader. And so we don't care that you're on the run. We are joining you. Well, at this point in the story, David and his men have just come back from battle. And as they're going to their camp, they discover that their enemy has come, burned their houses, I mean, just torched them, and kidnapped their wife and kids. And so David, we see, is at a very, very low point. It's like, man, can it get any lower than this? Here's how the writer of 1 Samuel records what happened. He says, when David and his men reach Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men, they wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Now, not getting stoned with him, okay? Even though they probably thought about it at that time. And then it says, each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. And so we see David has just lost his family. And it's like, man, if it couldn't get any lower, his men now, they're getting ready to turn on him. And David knows this. And so he's at a low point. Well, what did he do? The writer tells us, it says, well, but David found strength in the Lord his God. So in the midst of just this out downpour of negativity, David was somehow able to find encouragement in God. That he was able to tap into God's strength at a time where he needed God's strength. Well, what did he do to do that? We don't really know for sure. At least we don't know here. But we do know in other situations what David did. And you know what he did? He talked to himself. He actually started self-talking. And as a result, he was able to find encouragement in God. And let me show you how. Let me give you a couple examples. David, at another point, wrote this in Psalm 103. He writes, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Now, I want you to notice, David doesn't say, I praise you, O God. What does he say? Soul, praise God. He's engaging in self-talk. Hey, soul, start praising God. Start worshiping God, even though everything around me doesn't want to worship God because there's so much bad going on. And then he keeps going and he says, 
Praise the Lord, my soul, there it is again. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives your sins and heals your diseases. And he just makes a list of all these things that God has done for him. And then we see in verse 8, he writes this. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. If you're a Bible person, I, I would bet that you have heard of these words before. Do you know why you've heard these words before? Because on many other occasions, David wrote pretty much the same thing. Let me give you just two examples of this. Uh, Psalm 86, David writes this, But you, Lord, and listen to these words, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Pretty much word for word. One more. He writes this in Psalm 145, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. And so there are other times, okay, but David, once again, he just writes pretty much the same thing over and over again. Now, here's what's interesting about this. David didn't come up with this. How did David get this? David was actually plagiarizing God. Listen to what God says about himself in the book of Exodus. He says, and he, being God, passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord. Now, some people read this and go like, okay, why would God say this about himself? He is trying to get the nation of Israel to know who he is. And he's trying to give them handles to grab a hold of who he is. And so he's saying, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in what? Love and faithfulness. And so when things got bad for David, he didn't go search for a Bible verse. What are you doing? He had one in his heart already and he started to just talk it to himself over and over and over again. I like, to look at, I like to look at it this way. When things got bad for David and the tendency when things get bad, not just for David, but for us, when things get bad, our mind begins to drift towards negativity. David immediately anchored his mind in what God said is true, right, and good. I want to teach you something that, that Craig teaches. I think is so good. It's been really helpful for me, still kind of working through it and working it out and all that stuff. And this goes a long way in helping us silence our negative thoughts. And here's what Craig teaches. Craig teaches that we should start acting like a cow, of all things. Now, guys, don't go home and say, Mark called us all cows and all this stuff. That's not what I said, okay. Uh, but he tells us to act like a cow. And so what does a cow do when they chew grass? Well, if you've never seen it before, let me introduce you to Betsy, okay, behind me. Betsy's a grass chewer. Now, here's the interesting thing about cows, okay? So here's how they chew grass. They will take a mouthful of grass, and then they'll chew, and they'll chew, and they'll chew, and they'll chew. Then they'll swallow the grass, and then they'll throw it up in their mouth, and then chew on that some more. Kind of cool and disgusting at the same time when you think about it, all right? Okay, why do they do that? Well, here's why they do that. The cow is trying to get and squeeze every ounce of nutrition out of the grass. The cow is literally ruminating on the grass. In the Old Testament part of the Bible, which is the part before, before Jesus, in the Old Testament, the word they use for meditated can also be translated to ruminate on. And when you think about David's story, this is exactly what, what he did. When he's at a low point emotionally and spiritually, and when the tendency is to ruminate on the negative thoughts that start to come into our mind at, at that point, he already had a verse hidden in his heart. And he started to go, okay, the Lord God, he's gracious and compassionate, abounding 
in love and faithfulness. And then he started to chew on that. And as a result, the negative self-talk stopped and he was able to find encouragement in God. I've been trying to practice this uh, for a while now. And one of the, uh, the, the passages that I've been trying to chew on is uh, Psalm 1. If you know anything about the Psalms, uh, it's found in the Old Testament. And Psalm 1 gives this picture of what a life following God should look like. And it just gives these really cool images and pictures and all this stuff. And uh, I, I write it on a card. I, it's kind of old school. People are like, Mark, you know there's technology. I know, okay, I get it, technology. Uh, but for me, when I write something, it, just, it tends to stick more. And so I'll write it and then I can put it certain places and all stuff. So here's the card where I wrote Psalm 1. And uh, the verse that I've just been locking into, I'm just going to read it to you, verse 3. And uh, it, it, verse 3 says this. I love this picture. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, whatever they do, prospers. And I love that picture of just this big tree, healthy tree that's producing fruit that gives life to everybody around them. That's what the life following God should look like. I've been pretty fortunate to, uh, I, now I know they say like in, in, most, in most lives, if you have one or two really good friends, I mean, you've, you know, that, that's a lot. I've been very, very blessed. I have five, I mean, very, very close friends. I mean, we do anything for each other. And all of them are lead pastors of churches that, uh, around the country. And like I said, we've been friends now 15, 20 years. And uh, what, what's interesting is that they all lead churches that are larger than the Ridge. Now, let me just put a little perspective for you. The Ridge in itself is in the top two or three percent largest churches in the country. That's where we fall category-wise, okay? These guys lead churches larger than that. And so when, I, when I'm with them at times, and they don't do this, okay? This is not something that they do. Uh, I'll start to have this negative voice start to go in my head, and it's like, Phew, you are not half the leader they are. And man, why do you think God entrusted them with more? Do you think that there's something wrong with you? I mean, maybe you just don't have what it takes. And all of a sudden, the, the negative talk just starts to go and go and go. And then I'll pull up and I'll go, oh, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. This is the life that God has. This is the life that I want. I want to be that tree. I want to be that. And that's the life God wants for me. And then I start to just kind of, I kind of, chew on that and chew on that and chew on that. And eventually the self-talk goes away. What am I doing? I'm rewiring my mind because I'm ruminating on what God says is true, right, and good. Let's be honest. Negativity is everywhere. It is so easy to get caught up in the tidal wave of negativity. All of a sudden, before you know it, you're like, you know, what, what just happened? What just happened? Because our mind is there. And one of the areas that we get to get a downpour of negativity is from external sources. I mean, for, for many of us, it's the media, the news media and social media. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's nonstop, it's nonstop. In fact, for some of us, we are caught up in what's called, I call it the algorithm cycle. You know, everywhere we're on, online, you know, it's like we just, we've built this life and it's just feeding us the same thing as a result. It's like negative, 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 negative. For some of us, one of the best things that we could do is to just take a fast from that stuff. I'm telling you, you do that, two weeks, you will be mentally in a different spot. But the reality is, it's not just external sources that are causing the negativity. A big part of the negativity that we are experiencing is from internal sources. 
It's our mind and the negative talk that's just going on and on and on. And we need to learn to rewire our mind by ruminating on what God says is true, good, and right. Now, earlier, I, I gave you four areas of negativity that, uh, you, that we all are prone to, to gravitate towards one of them. I want to get real practical with you now on how to do this. Uh, I'm going to go through those four again. And what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to attach a, a verse from the scriptures that if, if you are prone to that one, I hope you either take a picture of it, write it down. It's going to be on our social stuff uh, this week as well. But I hope you, whatever your process is, that you put this and figure out a way to hide this up here so it can be hidden up here. That when that talk goes, you've got something where you can begin to rewire your mind. And then when I give you the verse, I'm going to follow it up with a declaration statement based on the verse. I love declaration statements because they're active, okay? I choose to, I'm going to. And so if, if you like that as well, I want you to go for it, but I'm going to go through the four and then give you the passage accordingly. So here, here's the first one. It's relational cynicism. This is the distrust for people, all right? All people, this, da, 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 da. Okay, here's what the Apostle Paul says. Get rid of all bitterness. Why does he say that? Well, cynicism is a byproduct of something larger. And let me tell you the larger. I've been hurt. I didn't deal with the hurt. Hurt grows. Hurt turns into bitterness. Cynicism is a byproduct of bitterness. And so Paul says, deal with the bitterness. You need to get rid of it altogether. Then he says, get rid of all bitterness. Rage and, and, rage and anger. Brawling and slander along with every form of malice. And he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. And here's the declaration statement that goes with that. God, I choose, I choose to believe the best about others. I choose trust over cynicism. So that's the first one. Here's the second one. Negative filtering, seeing what's wrong and everything. Always having that filter, seeing what's wrong over what's right. Once again, the Apostle Paul writes this. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, chew on that. Chew on that. Here's the declaration statement that goes along with this. God, I choose to think on what is right and good, not on what is wrong and negative. Third one, the absolute thinking one, the big one right here, absolute thinking. Now, before I read, this, read the words that I'm going to read, the passage, here's what's interesting. If you engage in negative thinking, one of the reasons you engage in negative thinking is because you think you're right, all right? We all do this, okay? When you're black and white thinking, you can only be right or wrong. I mean, there's, that's the only two categories we have. And so what, what I love about who wrote these, Jesus, Jesus was always right. Okay, there wasn't a time Jesus goes, oh man, I, I was wrong, I'm sorry. He never had to apologize for being wrong because he was never wrong. So here's what Jesus writes for the absolute thinkers. He says this, a new command I give you, prove your point to other people. A new command I give you, get on social media in the comments section and start telling people what idiots they are because they believe this, 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 this and how wrong they are. No, he says this, love one another. Yeah, but they're wrong. Who cares? This is more important. This will override that stuff. Love one another. As I have loved you. You mean, Jesus, you're the model and you write all the time? Yep. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then if you want this last part, this gives you the, what, the larger purpose. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one 
another. And so this is, God, I choose, and I love this declaration. God, I choose to treat people right over being right. This is, God, I, I'm going to put other people first, even though they're wrong and I don't agree with them, because they're made in your image, because I am made in your image. Fourth and final one. Fourth and final. Isn't this fun? You guys are, man, this is a blast. I know, I know. This is great. I'm glad you came to church. Okay. Uh, last one, blaming. Blaming. This is like, woe is me, person. Woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Okay, here, here's what the Apostle John writes. This is so good. This is so rich. For everyone born of God, what? They overcome her. They overcome her. They overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And here's this declaration. God, I choose to live in your victory and not be a victim. Why? Because you say, I'm an overcomer. Dr. Paul David, who's a pastor, which I love that because if, you've, if you have the name Paul David, you have to be a pastor because your, your parents gave that to you, okay? So you know, you gotta be a pastor with those two names in your name. Uh, so Pastor Paul David, he writes this. I love this quote. He says this, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. What do you say to yourself when you talk to yourself? What do you think about changing that conversation? You know, with God's help and some intentionality for us, we can make that a much more life-giving conversation that'll not only change how we think, but we'll also change how we live because how we live starts with how we think. Let me pray for us. Father, um, I think every single one of us, when we say, hey, wh what do I say to myself? We, we have an answer to that because our mind just gravitates there and it gravitates there in so many ways, God, and we're just given so many messages about how we fall short and we're not this and we're not that and all that stuff, God, uh, and it just goes there. And God, just the ripple effect of that is so big in our lives. Father, I thank you that, um, first off, it's something that we can bring to the table and you go, all right, I got this, I got you. And Father, I would pray that we would just, when we talk about rewiring, that we really do need to learn to chew on something else and not just something random, but something that is right and good and true because it comes right from your heart to our heart. And so, Father, I would pray as we went through those four things that every single one of us would just grab a hold of one and everything in us wants, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that. God, there's a cost for not doing it. But there is a blessing and a benefit for doing it. So, Father, thank you for giving us a way to stop the negative chatter. And, in, and instead, we begin to live in a different direction because it's a life that's built on the things that you say and that you have for us and that you do want for us. Thank you, God, for all that you are, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.